You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Pine of Football Christmas episode. Uh, just a little disclaimer here. Um, as many people from the Southwest will know, the internet only came to Western Supermare relatively recently in the last sort of five years. Um, as a result, Andy Baxter's modem is actually made of a potato. And unfortunately, we did lose him quite a bit in this. His audio quality isn't great. Um, Baxter, if this is the first you're hearing of this, I'm very sorry. But if you if you listen carefully enough, you can hear him. And his stories are great. So, Sorry. Enjoy. Ho, ho, merry podcast, gentlefolk. I welcome you to this toasty, cozy Christmas episode of Pint of Football. Joining me, comatose in your mother's living room after polishing off the bells is racist Uncle Daz. Just don't mention lockdown. And the small fluffy kitten going apeshit in the pile of wrapping paper is Andy Baxter. Later, he will certainly relieve himself on a couple of low-hanging baubles. <laughs> oh, and who am I, may you ask? I have gone by many names across the earth through the centuries, but I am known in these parts as the ghost of football past. So, uh, in case anyone was wondering, yes, Tom is between jobs at the minute. <laughs> Why do you doubt your senses, football nerds? I am as real as the Champions League round of 16 draw. I am here to remind you of the days before VAR and cardboard clappers. 
made you the cynical humbugs you are today, to a time when football was pure and good, to a time when 80,000 human beings would gather within a dilapidated greyhound track to watch the local burly and drunken workers of the town play because there was quite literally nothing else to do. Oh, 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 oh. I'm very underprepared for this. I don't, I don't think I can do that. <laughs> that was a cracking intro. Ah, yeah, I don't think I can do any more of that. Uh, welcome, everybody, to uh, the Pint of Football Christmas special. I'm going to stop ad-libbing now. The premise for today's show is the classic Ghosts of Past, Present and Future, where we bring you as we like to do, strange and exotic tales from football. But yeah, in the theme of the classic Christmas Carol, as made famous by the Muppets and no one else. (laughs) And uh, I'm going first, in case you missed that. And my, my little yarn comes from Warwick University and a guy named Professor Bernard Capp which is a very uh, fitting name for this series because it's a bit weird and hoity. Oh, I like that. Bernard Cap. You can already imagine yeah. him. Is he a goalkeeper who wears a goal, like one of those flat caps? Uh, I don't think he's a footballer. I think he's a professor at Warwick University. That's a shame. Andy Cap's studious brother. And I think he's Kaiser Sose's name when he came to fill in the forms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What would you like to go by? What do you want to publish this book as? Bernard and a dressing table? No. <laughs> ah, so, we're going to take you back to the past. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I've got a bit of a cold. Don't worry, just change that cough for a sound effect of, like, Christmas ghostliness. Ooh. Ooh. Why am I doing this? All right. Uh, (laughs) Historian reveals that Cromwellian Christmas football rebels ran riot. Try saying that five times fast. When the Puritans established themselves in power after the Civil War, the new regime not only abolished Christmas, but also banned sports deemed disorderly. And there are no sports more disorderly than football, apart from maybe ice hockey, if you're, like, Canadian. Um... However, new research by historian and possibly made-up name owner Bernard, Professor Bernard Cap from the University of Warwick reveals that Christmas Scrooge rebels responded to the bar on festive celebrations by playing football as a symbol of misrule and that winter and Easter football riots were fairly common in the 17th century. Ooh. So we're going back. We're going back pretty damn far now. I assume we're kind of talking about the type of football that was basically just 300 dudes trying to get a ball to the other side of the village. Yeah, there's somewhere near where I live that does that still. And it's just like one ball gets plonked in the village square and there's Mm. about a thousand... And then then murder. Yeah, yeah, a thousand people (laughs) turn up and after so long at said pub, whoever holds the ball up in the air for some reason, is the winner. I really, really, really want to be involved in that. I think you can turn up at any point. We'll have to make it maybe our next pint of football group outing. 
Yeah, I assume as a southerner, I won't last very long. It's a bit like the running of the bulls in Spain, you know? Yeah, it seems similar. Would you think they'd shove you in front of the bulls first? Or... <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, gringo. You you, <laughs> you, you, hey, gringo, you want to see bull? Hey, you fucking go. <laughs> I paint your ass red. Hey, don't worry about it. It may be safe. Yeah, it may be. It may be. <laughs> go, you don't worry about it. Hey, what's a little, it's what's a little goring. You're on holiday. Uh, <laughs> so much to edit already. Um, while sifting through old archives, Professor, air quotes, Cap, uncovered pamphlets from the Puritan Revolution outlining examples of how football was used as a rebellious force against the festive bans on Christmas and Easter. For example, when the mayor of Canterbury proclaimed the ban on Christmas in December 1647, the crowd responded by bringing out footballs as a traditional symbol of festive misrule. Of course, you know, it's a fairly well-known historical fact, but in case we've got any thickos listening, um, Oliver Cromwell, when he took over England, Britain, whatever, uh, banned Christmas um, for some cockamamie reason. Uh, I don't think Puritans believed in Christmas. And... um, yeah, I think for a long time, the sort of local, more violent village football game was like kind of a staple of those those holidays. So, you know, yeah. this was this was a way to fight the power. Good bit of tradition as well. Yeah. Of course, we don't we don't have a Boxing Day uh, fixture this year, Bristol Rovers, because all of a sudden players got COVID. So come to Roman Glass on uh, at one o'clock on Boxing Day to see us take on Hallett and bring a Bristol Rovers season ticket for half price off. Anyway, in January 1660, 13 footballers were prosecuted at Scarborough and one of them, who was employed by the town bailiff, whose authority the players had defied, was sentenced to sit in the stocks as a form of public humiliation. At the other end of the country, in Bristol, apprentices rioted on Trove Tuesday when authorities banned their traditional sports of football and cock-throwing. Now, Professor Cap has um, not given any sort of more information. There's no asterisks by cock-throwing, so we will leave that to the audience's imagination and uh, Googling. I maybe wouldn't recommend Googling it. Is um? Can I just ask? Is this going to be the spoiler? Is Professor Cap Andrew Ward? Uh, I I was about not. to say that. Is this the same guy as the other book? We can't escape yeah, him. As in, like, is this all completely made up? Yeah, it's all made up, <laughs> and he just glosses over the most interesting point. Yeah. There's something <laughs> called cock throwing. Right, I'm going Googling on cock- sure his day, I'm, and he doesn't elaborate. I'm googling cock throwing. Oh, good God. <laughs> uh, cock throwing, also known as cock shying or throwing at cocks, was a blood oh, sport widely practiced in England until the late 18th century. A rooster was tied to a post and people took turns throwing cock stills, special weighted sticks, until the bird, at the bird, until it died. That sounds. Oh. Pretty horrible, doesn't it? <laughs> it's basically this, really- <laughs> they just tied a rooster to a post and threw a stick at it until it died. I just can't believe they still do that in rugby. 
Uh, is that the initiation if you want to join the, the uni team? Is yeah, the maybe. Anyway, back to Professor Bernard Cap from the University of Warwick. He said, in the Puritan Revolution, football became a flashpoint for social and political tensions between Puritan authorities and their enemies. Football originated as a seasonal sport, often played between rival villages on Shrove Tuesday or Easter. So during traditional times of seasonal festivities, which were then prohibited, such as during Christmas or before Lent, Differences flared. In Tudor and Stuart times, footballers often played on Sundays, the only regular day off work. This triggered open conflict between young folk and Puritans determined to impose a strict Sabbath by suppressing all profane activities on that day. Church records cite frequent deliberate confrontations with footballers playing in the churchyard itself, no less, despite the bumpy pitch from all the uh, bloated syphilitic corpses and sometimes even the when a service throwing. was in progress and the cock throwing yeah thank you Andy <laughs> yeah I mean the only thing I'd ask about that you know how everyone goes back to old school football being jumpers for goalposts really mm. it sounds like it was more like tombstones for goalposts <laughs> yeah well they didn't see Bristol Manor Farms pitch before they got that sorted once a minister was apparently so exasperated that he broke off a sermon midway through and stormed out to confiscate a ball and stuck it up his priestly robes, no doubt. Uh, young men were occasionally prosecuted throughout the 1650s for playing football, but in the winter of 1659-1660 in York, a far more dramatic confrontation erupted. When players smashed the windows of a city church, the council decided to take action and on the 30th of March, the borough court, with the mayor presiding, prosecuted 11 players and imposed fines of 20 shillings on them all. But this backfired and triggered a major, uh, this is Clapp's own uh, air quotes here, football riot. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Nice. At five o'clock on the same day, a crowd of over 100 assembled uh, again, quotes, in a warlike manner, with halberds, swords, <laughs> muskets, fowling pieces, and other guns and weapons, marched on the mayor's house and smashed their way in. It was four hours before public order was restored. The badly shaken authorities set up a special commission to identify and punish the perpetrators. And on May the 4th, the accused chief actor was convicted of riot and fined a massive £10. 17 other ringleaders were also convicted, but pardoned after making grovelling apologies. So I'll uh, leave you to decide what those were. Do you think they'd at least have the, the source in their convictions to, you know, own what they did? Well, I suppose £10, maybe they couldn't afford to pay that fine. So Ten, £10, you know, £10. Rainbows and unicorns in those days. Yeah. You know, might edit that out. Yeah, because why the apologize? So, to sum up, Professor Bernard Cap, who likes to put himself into his own footnotes quite a lot, added Football has been a passion in Britain for hundreds of years, and authorities have been worrying about football violence for almost as long. Football history 
has a frequently rough and bloody side to it. If the Puritans were killjoys, we should recognise that Merry England had its darker side too. An impressively diplomatic sentiment from Professor Cap, who's down us in the face of a simple kickabout, would have no doubt pleased Cromwell enormously. But nevertheless, this heartening tale should serve as a timely reminder that as far back as the Tudors, there was nothing the rosy-cheeked English youth loved more than spilling bodily fluids of authorities in the name of an inflated pig's bladder. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, and that's, that's uh, football past for you. Oh, that's good. And the thing I love about that story is much like with Christmas Carol, you get the horrible, sad truth of the past. And I guess all that's left now is to lead straight into Baxter's Christmas present story to see how things currently are. And hopefully there's a little moral story in there as well. I think so. Um, mine is a very recent story a very football present, um, which may well have evolved quite a lot by the time people get to hear this. So, you know, I apologise immediately if it's, if it's all gone tits up as soon as, you know, we, we, we put this out. Anyway, I don't know if you guys are aware, but 10th, Bedford FC, who are in the 10th tier of English football, have just been taken over by a crazy Bitcoin millionaire. Oh, no. I mean, literally this week, that kind of recent, it's... <laughs> Very mad. Um, and he has come out and said he wants to get them into the Premier League, which is 10 promotions away, also a complete nonsense. Bedford FC are not even the biggest team in Bedford. Bedford Town are two divisions above them, so they've got to overcome them first. Um, and if you'll indulge me, I'm going to read verbatim from the interview he gave. This is uh, Mr. Peter McCormack, and I don't mind his name because I'll also read you some of his tweets in a minute, and he seems like a lunatic. So, Ben Compass. Bitcoin is a hell of a drug, man. <laughs> if you look at the million Ryan Reynolds has put into Wrexham, what we're looking to raise would be far, far higher than that. So, yeah, that's a sort of glimpse into his madness. He's already <laughs> set up the website, Real Bedford. So that's the kind of thing he's after. To be fair to him, he is a Bedford fella. So he stuck to his roots. He wants to do a local club. Um, he said he's not particularly interested in Luton or Watford, who are the nearby teams, established teams. So this is what he wanted to do. So whatever. I went through his Twitter feed just to see if he's joking what he really wants to do and all that. And he's the type of person who just retweets people insulting him and telling him it's a silly idea and things like that. And he's also set up a lot of overseas supporters clubs for Real Bedford. And it seems like a massive pyramid scheme ready, to be honest. People are giving him money for nothing. And... You know, expecting some kind of return on it. I don't know if they just want yeah. to be to be able to say they're involved at the ground. I don't really know. And he's, he's just sort of insulting journalists and stuff now who are uh, who are questioning what he's doing and his sanity and things like that. I'll read you another tweet if I may. There has been some misunderstanding with our strategy. We think nine consecutive promotions are a little bit unrealistic. We're not idiots. We've allowed for an off year and planned for the Premier League in 10 seasons. <laughs> so, yeah, this is 
I'm, I'm glad this turned up, to be honest, because I didn't really know where to go with this Christmas present, because I thought it was the most difficult one of the three, because, you know, everyone sees all the funny stories as they develop these days. I was going to go with the coffins in Brazil that once he had to celebrate their rivals getting relegated, and a few other bits like that. But this has just landed right in front of him and resist. So, um, yeah, I've just been enjoying looking at real Bedford and the B of Bed Bitcoin logo, which annoys me as well. Oh, it's, um, it, uh, yeah, it, it, you know, it, it, it's dreadful. I'll, I'll share this tweet, and Daz, if you could put it on, I'll share it somehow without giving him the, um, um, the sort of kudos of, of looking like we support him. He's put a tweet that reads, Bedford, Bidford, Bitford, Bitcord, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. I don't really understand it. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm baffled. I'm, I'm kind of sort of intrigued by it, and I want to see what happens. Apparently, they got mentioned on the Guardian's football podcast because he's tweeted at Max Rushton here, and he's asked, oh, no, no, sorry. He's tweeting that because he wants a mention on it. I apologise. It's nuts. Absolutely okay. nuts. And, so, uh, questions. Please. Has he actually renamed the team Real Bedford? Uh, he's about to. He hasn't done okay. it just yet. He's bought the domain and he, he set up a Twitter page. Uh, hang on, let me get it. I think it's just at Real. But yeah, it's just Real Bedford. It's there. He's called Peter McCormack. Um, and it's, his full name is just his Twitter handle. Um, he keeps tweeting about the club, he's got a range of T-shirts. He's got one that says Bedford with the Bitcoin B as the logo and one that says Believe with the Bitcoin B. And then he's all retweeting any kind of news about Bitcoin. I don't so really, like, really understand it. He's one of these bad... Sorry, go on. If, if, go on, if, he, if he's... If he's um, did you say millionaire, billionaire... Like, he says millionaire. I don't know. Okay. I haven't done that if much he, research. If, he, if, he's, if, he's, if he's a millionaire from Bitcoin, um, he's either brought like he's either brought when it was at twenty thousand, so gambled quite heavily on something that did pay off, or he brought way back in like two thousand and nine when Bitcoin was like pennies and held for like over a decade. And decided that the best way to use this phenomenal windfall that no one in the world expected to happen is to basically take over a, a non-league football team and just like make it look really dumb. It, it's, it's like it's like Glenn Tamplin on the the like special reserve cocaine that they saved for Johnny Depp. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> Well, allegedly, allegedly, hang on. Let's <laughs> let's not let's not go down swinging here. Um, <laughs> just a quick one before we from Bedford. I'll I'll just bring your attention to what his pinned tweet is, um, which is from Christmas Eve last year, and it's it, it's it's a thread which I'm not going to read because fuck him. But the first line of it is feels like a good time to tell the story of how I went from broke in there to broke again in 2017 slash 18. And, you know, he's got 430,000 followers. And I don't know why. I, just, I mean, I'm interested. I mean, I feel like I should give an update on this in a couple of months' time and just see what happened if he's living in a skip somewhere or something. But, you know, I, I, I can't see him 
he might win a league or two with Bedford and then either get bored or start hemorrhaging money and that'll be that. I can't really remember what happened to Glenn Tamplin. I think he basically got caught snorting coke in the bathroom and then possibly decked someone. And then he took over he even... He's not, not, he's not a bill, he's not a bill, he's not a he went like lower down. Um, oh, again, if I'm wrong is. about that, I'm sorry, please don't sue me, Glenn Tamplin. <laughs> You're a wonderful, uh, altruistic human being. <laughs> Whoever this guy is, I, I think we should invite him on in a few months and see if we oh, can sure. Uh, oh, get sure, him. yeah, grand. <laughs> if we why not? Anything to do with us with all the part with all his followers, then yeah, why not? Get him on uh, Tamplin, Brian Reynolds, the guy from hashtag United, get them all on. No, nah, I I okay. I'm not I'm not I'm not talking to the guy from hashtag United. <laughs> we draw a line. So some, some standards must be preserved. Um, if you just indulge me for 30 more seconds, I couldn't do a strange present football thing without this little gem from 2014. I mean, we all remember when it happened. So if you can picture the scene, Malta are playing Slovakia in European qualifier, World Cup qualifier. I can't remember. I did read it somewhere. Anyway, rather than, you know, you can imagine that the, the teams are lined up for the national anthems at the start of the game. Everyone's looking all solemn and just in the zone. And then rather than the... Maltese national anthem. You both know where this is going. <laughs> Rather than the Maltese national anthem, we instead got. <laughs> Short clip, but of course it was known by Lincoln Park, which is not Maltese <laughs> national anthem, but perhaps... unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately, maybe they'll adopt it after the success of, of this. Uh, very enjoyable. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Andy. <laughs> so by this point, Jacob Marley is shivering in his boots. If he'd have continued the life of the past, he could well have led to extincting football. Had he continued in the present, which is the current day, he could well be buying non-league clubs for Bitcoin. So I guess all that's left to show is the future. And I don't want to be so depressing as to show the actual future of football because it's going to be the Qatar World Cup and the future developments of VAR. <laughs> Sadly, that is going to be the future of football. I've already given up on the future. If I was Marley, I would have committed suicide after the present ghost. But for the purposes of this Christmas special, I'm going to show... Sorry, do you think, do you think that Marley is the main character of A Christmas Carol? What's his name? I can't let, I can't let this go on any further. <laughs> What's Scrooge. his name? <laughs> Leave him. Yeah. Leave him. Scrooge McDuck, yeah, that was him, wasn't it? <laughs> Scrooge yeah, McDuck, that's the one. I haven't watched the Muppets Christmas calendar yet. I need to rectify this. Hell of a film. Although, yeah. I did watch the Jim Carrey one for the first time. That's really good. I don't know if either of you have seen that. Oh, Sorry, yeah, I've not seen that one. Is yeah. Yeah, it, I recommend it. Good. Fair enough. <laughs> so anyway, McDuck is there. He hasn't committed suicide yet. He's still swimming in his millions. What can he do to change the future of football? Well, I'll tell you what he can do. 
he can raise awareness for some better football that's going on. And in this very uncertain future, the one thing that we hope will continue into the future is the tournament known as the Arosa Ice Snow Football Tournament. What? Yes! Which is a Swiss, <laughs> a Swiss annual football tournament which takes place on top of a snowy mountain. Sounds safe. It sounds exceedingly safe. And let me tell you all about this tournament. The Arosa Ice Snow Football Tournament is a football tournament, if you didn't guess it, on snow and ice, which is competed between former national football players. Did you know about it? No. <laughs> Just Swiss national football players, or is it open to anyone? It's open to anyone, but it seems as though it's like former national players that actually compete when they've retired, I imagine. So, you know, I've retired. I'm a retired football player. I'm maybe not like in... I've got a few niggles. I'm not in top physical form. I'm just going to go to the top of a mountain in Switzerland and participate in a competition up there. That'll be fine. Sadly, for yourself, Tom, on this occasion, you would not necessarily be in with a good shot of qualifying because the top nations of this tournament are the likes of Netherlands, Germany, Switzerland. And then for anyone who can't qualify for any of those three nations, there is also a a global all-stars team. Mm. So this is just like the mad Alpine countries. Yeah, basically. It's just, it sounds like... It's not Alpine Netherlands. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, they're pretty flat. Well, it just sounds <laughs> what they, what like... What are they doing there? Yeah, I think they've just trained really hard for this. You know, all those years they weren't qualifying for the World Cup. <laughs> yeah. This <laughs> is what they were doing. Edgar Davids, he was Dutch. Yeah. Yeah. Who else? All them, Seydorf. Everyone thought Edgar Davids was messing around managing Barnet for a few years, but actually... He was just saving his energy for the Alpines Cup, which is probably the wrong name for it. It's the Arosa Ice Snow Football Cup. And let me just uh, take you back to the last tournament last year, just before COVID. So it happened in January 2020. And we had the All-Stars, the Global All-Stars. We had the Netherlands, we had Germany and we had Switzerland. Who would your money be on to win it? Uh, Switzerland. All-Stars. I can tell you. Well, if they're like North African All-Stars, in which case, probably not them. The All-Stars. If they're a team of Ghanaians or something, might not like them. <laughs> um, that racist? Sorry. It's funny you should mention that. The All-Stars did actually line up with a number two called Hans Sarpai from Ghana. Me. Wow. Wow. So, yeah. Good guess. <laughs> Did he know what he was getting in for? <laughs> I'm not sure, but he has... Th- what the hell is this? He has 36 caps. Wow. So, yeah. Good player. But, but the, uh, for me, for my money, the star of the team was their goalkeeper and former Spurs and Chelsea Italian goalkeeper, Carlo Cudicini. Wow, even I've heard of him. Wow. That's a big scalp for them. Yeah, exactly. So it's not it's not like Tom turning up. 
No offense. No. Um, the All Stars team. Some offense. Yeah, the All Star. Oh no, team, I'm terrible. The All Star team did also feature players such as Spanish legend Fernando Morientes, which seems ludicrous that he would. He's probably the least qualified person being from Spain. It's probably the first time he ever saw snow. Been the league winner. Going yeah, exactly. Won the won the Champions League, and now he's playing in this weird snow cut. They also had uh, Gianfranco Zola up front. Mm-hmm. Why are we just hearing about this now? Yeah, I, I can't believe I've never heard about this before. And uh, the number 10 was Roberto Di Matteo. Um, is this like is this like a you know national international secret invite only? I think it must be because Big, Bitcoin millionaires only. Yeah. <laughs> well, this yeah, this is where we link the stories together. You can only actually get in. Well, as football snow tournament is, you don't talk about football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, obviously, as football's progressed, we've gone from. Referring back to our football stranger stories of the late 1800s, 1900s, where we heard about when crossbar was developed, when penalties came in, all the rest of it. Since then, there's been things like women's football developing. Since then, there has been the legendary beach soccer, which Tom and I once uh, sat and watched drunkenly for a few hours. Oh, it's so good. If you guys ever get the chance to watch some beach soccer... Yeah. It's so it's so worth it. It really overhead is. kicks are like the norm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Pretty much eighty percent of the goals are overhead kicks. But what I'm saying is, I'm going to take your beach soccer and raise it for the future. Literally, of... <laughs> yeah, raise it to Arosa ice snow football well i'll definitely be googling that after this good i love it well, sports climate change and all that everything's gonna be beach soccer in it because you know it's yeah, true anymore. yeah get in while you can yeah that's it that's the Where message <laughs> i would love to watch it on tv mainly some curious as how they don't just fall around i've watched ice hockey and that's bad enough you can't, like, can't picture it, but I just thought it's a good future story. The 2022 competition at the moment, to my knowledge, hasn't been postponed, although it probably will be very soon because of the... Uh, uh, don't need your negative vibes here. <laughs> well, this is the point, though. This is where we bring it back to the Christmas Carol. Only you, Tom, Andy, and me, Daz, can change the future of the world. <laughs> Only us three can stop coronavirus. <laughs> exactly. So that's the end of the Christmas episode, but we are not quite done for the year. On the 30th of December, starting at 4pm, Daz and I will be streaming over on Twitch as the mighty Finnish amateur side, FC Santa Claus. They do exist, look them up, in a Christmas-themed draft league dragged up from our fevered imaginations. It's going to be a long one because we are raising money for a charity called Safe Passage. And if all goes to plan, we should have a voice clip from Henry at Safe Passage to tell us what they're all about. And we'll drop that in right here. Hi, Tom, Daz, and all the wonderful listeners to the Pint of Football podcast. I'm Henry, the Safe Passage digital manager and long-suffering Fulham fan. 
This is just a quick note from all of us to wish you all a very Merry Christmas and thank you all for supporting us here at Safe Passage. We're a small charity that focuses on helping child refugees reach safety through safe routes. In particular, reunited unaccompanied child refugees with their families in the UK and Europe. As you all know, 27 people tragically lost their lives attempting to cross the channel only weeks ago, the greatest loss of life in many years in the channel. Every week, more and more people are risking their lives making the dangerous journey across the sea in flimsy boats to try and reach sanctuary here in the UK. This is especially true since the government closed two safe routes to the UK for refugees. As a charity that works every day with refugees looking to reach safety, helping them navigate the lengthy and complicated process that is our asylum system, we know that the current system is far too restrictive and stops families being together. Instead of opening new safe routes to help families be together, the government's new Nationality and Borders Bill will do nothing to break the business model of smugglers, nor prevent dangerous channel crossings. In fact, it will make the lives of many who have fled war and persecution more in misery by cruelly punishing those who, through no fault of their own, are forced to take dangerous journeys across the sea. That's why we're campaigning for new safe routes, so that no child has to risk their life to be with their family and reach safety. Thanks to everyone once again. Your support is very much appreciated. So yeah, if you want to join us on the 30th, that will be grand. Um, search for us on Twitch at Pint of Football. Uh, should be fairly easy to find. And if you want to check out more of Safe Passage's work, their website is safepassage.org.uk. Thanks a lot, Henry. So, as we wrap up the year, we'd like to say a huge thank you to our listeners. I know that we're a cynical bunch usually, but... At last count on the 5th of December, we've had 1,750 people listen to this drivel from places as far away as the United States, Australia, and for some reason, Angola. <laughs> Algeria? Um, no, Algeria? Did we have an Algeria? I don't know. All over the world is the main point. Yeah. All over the world. So, in all seriousness, thanks to you all, and thanks also to the good folks at Sports Social for having us and retweeting stuff when we ask them nicely, and and Andy Baxter for being our third guy for this series. Yes. Um, and considering our international appeal, I regret doing this now but I decided to look up all the December festivities. So you ready for this list? (laughs) (sighs) We wish you a Merry Christmas, an enlightening belated body day, Pansha Ganpati and Yalda, a blessed Yule, a happy Kwanzaa and Hanukkah. And if I missed you out, happy holidays. I don't don't think you got any of them horribly wrong. It didn't sound too bad. It didn't sound like you were like stumbling over the words, all the syllables. No, not at all. Not at all like that. Anyway. Have, we got, have we got a joke to end on? Oh, hell yeah. Uh, I say, I say, I say, Daz and Andy. What are you saying today? I told my wife she should embrace her mistakes, so she gave me a hug. <laughs> hey. Joy to the world, we can stop recording. For the final time this year. <laughs> A football, everybody's doing it, everybody's playing it. Ain't you heard it? Football, 
Everybody's doing it, everybody's saying it. Football's a word. There was a player, he scored a goal, and everybody cheered the goal. Another time, player got fouled, and everybody booed very loud of the football. Everybody's hoping and everybody's praying their time away. Football, everybody's raving and now they're misbehaving, cause football has got them in a spin. Send that punk off the pitch, bitch. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.